like what you hear, consider subscribing and giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Especially early in the feed, subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way. Thank you. Hello, GG peeps, and welcome to another episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM on Twitter. Uh, I'm Brandon at Way of Brandalore on Twitter, and I continue to have an innate dislike of GG peeps as a shorthand for the audience. Uh, we got a, a third talking head today. Uh, Josh, why don't you introduce our guest? I would love to introduce the illustrious Noah Downs Esquire. At uh-huh. my lawyer friend on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else. Say the line, Noah. Say the line. Uh, listen, guys. I'm a lawyer, but I'm a cool lawyer. <laughs> he said it! Yay! Yay! There you go. Also, you know, GG Peeps is not bad. Um, I thought you'd say Growling Goblins, but that's okay. If given the choice, I would go with GG Peeps. I just think we really need to workshop that a little bit more. Like, we get a sponsorship out of GG Peeps. G- like, we get hit a Peeps. Yes, please do. I, oh, so little, look, little green Peeps. Please, please look, do. G- and this is a shout out that nobody will nobody will understand and the relevant person will not hear. But uh, to my friend Luke Dameron from college, if we get that uh, GG Peeps sponsorship, I dedicate it to you. Luke was famous for hating Peeps, and he was such an, an Easter Scrooge. It was it, ridiculous. Any relation to Poe? No, no, no relation to Poe. Okay, okay, just checking. He's a doctor now. Oh, yeah. Wow. But he's not a cool doctor. Yeah, I was about to say, is he like a cool doctor? No. <laughs> You're like Doctor Johnny Fever over there. <laughs> both of you are. Like- both of you are too young to get that. I'm technically too young to get that. Yeah. I mean, Brandon, how old are you again? Uh, you know, uh, I'm a. You know, Arp sent me a letter the other day, so. Uh, hey, funny story. I'm a member of ARP. Really? Yeah. I'm I'm 31 and I'm a member of ARP. You can start joining AARP when you are like 21, 25, something like that. I guess that. technically you should be able to join ARP whenever you retire since it's just the Association of Retired People. Yeah, and for me it's perspective. Like I, I anticipate that someday I might win capitalism and retire. So you're App ARP, uh, Association yeah. of Perspective Retired Persons. Exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> so... It's a, a dream of a day where I can just have a library full of my my D and D releases that were released in 2023, and just mm-hmm. sit there and enjoy them. And there's no tying it back into the topic because this is going to be a classic Goblins and Growlers podcast episode where something happened today, and we're recording this, and then it's going to come out in like a week and a half, uh, so everybody can enjoy it then. Uh, but it'll be SEO friendly. So in about three months, it'll just meld with everything else that came out that day because it's going to be good original content and Google will like it. You're good original content for Google. I'll tell my parents you said that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so today, uh, Watsy had a big announcement about uh, A, a bunch of releases that are coming out in 2023, and B, uh, play playtesting for one D and D, which I keep calling D and D one in my head, so I have to use Run DMC as a mnemonic for it, um, and that's their new sort of uh, holistic uh, next edition of Dungeons and Dragons. That's not going to be sixth edition, and there's a whole thing that we can talk about in a few minutes about that. But we've all got nice little bulleted lists of things we want to talk about, and we've come armed with uninformed opinions, so we're ready to talk, just like real Americans. Yeah, I mean, what I what I really love about One D and D, just to kind of dive straight into it, is that it they basically said like, uh, it they, like it's D and D guys, like 
there's so many people joining the hobby right now mm-hmm. that we don't need to have D and D three point five, D and D four. We don't talk about D and D four, D and D five. It's just D and D. Yeah, the, I watched the like six and a half minute video, like the trailer for the for one D and D that came out. And uh, Jeremy Crawford was on there talking about it and just saying stuff like, oh, you know, this is all to reflect where the game is presently because there's so many more people that are in the hobby now, like you were saying, Noah. And basically they were saying it's become so big that we no longer need to have additions for it. Um, Just like like any good journalist, I took notes um, and I've got as I was watching it and it says uh, my first bullet point is inclusion because there's a lot of talk at the top about folks saying like I never thought I would be able to see somebody who looked like me uh or play somebody who looked like me in uh in D&D and then uh it says the system is stable uh no longer an addition which is the most interesting thing for me because it's talking about just like rolling forward with what there is now and it, I mean it really just sounds like they're just going to keep tacking optional module rules onto it as they go forward uh well, my, go ahead, Noah. I was going to say that you know that that inclusion is really a, a huge thanks to uh, Jontel Layson Smith, who is like the director of DEI at Wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow them at underscore Jontel J O N T E L L E on Twitter. When was that position um, created? Just out of curiosity, I'm really not sure. I met Jontel um, at uh, where was I? I was at GDC this past year, mm-hmm. um, and Jontel's business card is actually a pack of magic cards. <laughs> um, and it was the coolest thing. So, uh, but Jontel had a lot of really awesome forward-looking ideas, and I think that one D and D is a really great way to express. Yeah, that. I was just asking that question because this it it really feels to me like there probably wasn't like a head of DEI there before 2020. Yeah, yeah, maybe it does. Yeah. It does seem that way. I will also say regarding inclusion, we're already seeing steps in that direction with releases such as Beyond the Radiant Citadel, which we talked about at length on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, let's see what else here. My other bullet points. And we can come back to any of these. I just want to get these all out while I've got this piece of paper in front of me. Uh, I wrote, seems like more options, comma, customization, Pathfinder 2E, question mark. Uh, it really seems like they're mining a little bit into what people liked about like the new edition of Pathfinder and the hyper customization that you could do with character creation there. My usual disclaimer, I have never played Pathfinder, neither 1E nor 2E, so I'm just going on what people have told me about the system. But uh, from what I understand, it really sounds like that's the way they're leaning with uh, 1D&D. Uh, let's see, reflect what the game is presently, building on top of 5E, backward compatible, uh, which is basically them saying, like, we've made the rules as accessible as we can, and we're just going to leave them there. And if you want optional rules for harder stuff, i.e. multi-classing, et cetera, uh, then there you go. Uh, and then let's see. And then D&D Beyond comes, becomes everything in one place. We finally get digital and physical bundles since Wizards finally acquired D&D Beyond. They showcased in the trailer like D&D Digital, their full 3D play space that they're building on the Unreal Engine, which actually looks really cool. And I was worried that it was going to be like looking like some kind of FPS or something like that. But they've done an isometric perspective on it, and they've really done the work to make it feel like you're still playing uh, on a miniature set that you're looking at from the table. Which is really neat. Yeah, it is, because I, I, I'm i always very vocal about my dislike of Roll20 and how they never evolved the platform. Like, if Roll20 had gotten some, like, solid VC investment and actually been forward-thinking, they could have been this. They could have been what 
what wizards acquired, but they just decided not to evolve. Um, and they said it's going to be targeted toward lazy DMs. You're essentially going to be able to buy complete campaign packages and adventure packages through there, and you'll have all the assets, but you'll have the ability to go in and manipulate triggers and um, various things throughout the adventure to make it your own if you want to. They're calling it a full D&D playset, like a digital playset, which I think that contextualizes it for me a lot better uh, for what they're actually trying to do because it's so beyond the scope of what most people imagine or re or realize D&D Beyond is now that it's almost going to, I mean, not almost, it is going to be like an entirely different kind of product from what it is now. It, it honestly, the, the digital tabletop looks a lot like Tailspire, which was a, which was a Kickstarter from way back. Whew, uh, I think late, late 2020, early 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, I mean, the products do look incredibly similar. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I, it kind of is in that vein of, I think that, you know, they're going to, it's going to severely decrease the use of Roll20. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I don't think it steps on the toes of other more, how do I put this? Other more uh, immersive experiences like alchemy that, you mm -hmm. know, is the growing star in, in the existing space. Well, I mean, the thing about um, the, the new, D, D beyond is it's going to be for D and D and D and D compatible systems. So if you want to play anything else, uh, other options, uh, are both available and necessary. So it may be the greatest thing that you can have to play D and D, but it's for like alchemy, for example, there's still going to be plenty of people using that for plenty of other things. But I hope if you have roll 20 stock, you sold it before today. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I think the thing that excites me most about what they're talking about with one D and D, which, by the way, uh, not to be the cantankerous butt in the room, but first of all, it's a terrible name. One D and D. Cantankerous butt. Yeah. You know what else is a terrible name? Cantankerous butt. That's my ska band. <laughs> so that's that's thing number one on that. Thing number two is that we all know they're going to keep doing iterative improvements on the rules as they release more stuff. And they're going to keep saying things like, well, this works better with these settings and this works better with those settings. They're still going to be doing versions. They're just not going to call them versions. Let's be right. real. Don't, I mean, don't destroy my naivete, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's software to, as a service meets D and D. Yeah. Yep. It, it continuous updates, no additions, just dungeons as a dragons. Changes. Yeah, exactly. Or dragons as a dungeons. It's a continuous slog through the, what used to be five e. We're gonna start. Um, we're gonna start getting like core rules. You know, v one point two five six three point four. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my God. my grandkids will be playing like <laughs> two point eight seven six five. <laughs> the. The joke that we were telling in one of the discords I hang out in was that uh, it's only a matter of time before it's for the low price of fourteen ninety nine a month you can play D and D, uh, or if you pay for it annually, we drop it down to eleven ninety nine a month. They they dig up Sally Struthers and just have her skeleton saying like, "For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you too can be supporting these digital Dungeons and Dragons designers." Hey, Josh. Hey, nice alliteration. Yeah. Hey, Josh, speaking of uh, discords that you hang out in, uh, I think one of them would would be the Goblins and Growlers Discord at bit.ly slash Goblin Discord. Am I right? I I hang out in the, the Goblins and Growlers Discord almost more than I hang out anywhere else. I think Meat Space is the only place that beats it. 
I don't think you're making a solid argument for people to hang out in the Goblins and Growlers Discord. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm very popular, I'm sure, with some kinds of people occasionally. You're the the top moderator. I'm sure you're not. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. But no, you're... The thing... the Go thing ahead. I will say positively for 1D&D is something that we've been talking about for ages that they are finally starting to do, which is D&D Beyond and physical copy stuff is starting to merge. We're seeing, yeah. uh, they're they're talking about, let's see, what does it say? Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen, pre-order now, and you get early access to the adventure on D&D Beyond on November 22nd. That's right. great. I love that. Absolutely, please continue combining your digital assets and your physical assets, especially now that you own both sides of the property. Yeah, yeah. that for me, that overcomes my largest obstacle to really committing to D&D Beyond, knowing that they're going to be doing that. Because I was talking about Cantankerous. I was shaking my fist at clouds for years, just talking Still about. Still Yeah, yeah. But now at least I won't be screaming like, give me a the QR code or something so I can just claim my, my digital copy of this thing so I don't have to pay you another $50 for it. I've I've never heard of the old man yells at cloud ever including a QR yeah, code before. But I imagine <laughs> I, I'll tell you. I think it would be like before before 2020 and nobody wanting to touch anything. It could have been old man yells at QR code for how much those things had fallen out of use. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like everyone all of a sudden wants to use QR codes, but here it's like, old wizards of the coast. Why won't you give me my QR codes? Why do I gotta buy two things? You know what um, really upsets me about QR codes what's is that. that the technology for QR codes comes out. A bunch of companies are like, yeah, QR codes, they're the greatest. Let's have them on everything. No one has anything that scans a QR code. You have to download a right. specific app. And on occasion, to get a good app, you have to pay for it to have it on your phone. Finally, phones are like, why don't we just include this in the camera app? I feel like that just makes sense. And at that point, where all the phone companies are like, everyone should just have a QR code scanner, no one's doing QR codes anymore. It's like, how did you... This is the world's biggest technological missed high five I've ever seen. I just upgraded my phone in January. Uh, Or no, it was like late December. It was right before we went to MAGFest. Uh, But... The phone I had before that, which I'd had for like two or three years, had no like it did not have a QR code scanner on it. And I the phone was full because I didn't want to buy another SD card for it. And so I couldn't download a QR code app. So for all of COVID, I was just like, no, I actually need a physical menu, please. <laughs> please give me a physical menu. <laughs> do y'all do y'all talking about uh, obsolete scanning technology? Do you guys remember the QCAT? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Josh, you're looking quizzically. It was a stupid peripheral. Uh, one of the early, like, like specific USB peripherals that was shaped like a cat and you scan it over, uh, something sort of like a proto QR code. And then it takes you to a website. It was so dumb because it was connected by wires. It was, It, it was well ahead of its time. Right. But still it was dumb. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and and the good thing now though is that like even with all that obsolete technology, you, you know, fortunately, um, we have backwards compatibility with one D and D. So all that obsolete stuff you can start using again. See what I did there, guys? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, the- now, I I will say that in terms of that backwards compatibility, that's something I'm really excited about. For example, like on on the Forgotten Paths podcast, uh, you know, the podcast that I've I never do, heard of it. Uh, what What is it? <laughs> um, have you? Huh? Crazy. I don't know what you're talking um, about. 
Oh, uh, you want me to tell you more what is, about what it? What is this so, obscure podcast you're telling us about? Uh, so this is the this is the famous uh, one of a kind amnesia podcast. Um, it's an actual play amnesia style campaign, um, starring myself and three awesome awesome people. And you can go check it out at linktree.com/slash forgotten paths. Um, is it linktree.com or linktr.ee? It's linktr.ee slash forgotten paths. Okay. I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, you said it wrong, not me. Uh, linktr. <laughs> Linktree slash Forgotten Pats. Anyways, um, but yeah, so with Forgotten Pats, I, I utilize a particular character um, that has evolved over the various editions of D&D. And I, they're like, they're canon, but their canon keeps changing. And with that backwards compatibility, I've taken like 2E versions of her and turned her in and started to utilize it for 5E. So having that kind of backwards compatibility is something I'm going to use the heck out of. Because I don't like like necessarily stick into the current stuff it's i like playing my own little sandbox mm-hmm. yeah I, I i'm looking for i'm looking oh go ahead josh i've dominated was, the conversation a lot go ahead i was gonna say something that i think will be assisted with their point on like everything needs to be backwards compatible everything needs to make sense is that i think we're gonna see a lot more of these where they're like here's what we're gonna do is we're gonna create a bunch of different settings and classes and subclasses and things like that and those are all gonna be in their own individual books until we're getting ready to move on to our next theme of things and then we're gonna create a couple of bundle packs of those like character like subclasses those settings those monsters, so that you can just get one big box of stuff before we move on to the next thing. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're you're describing like the complete Rangers handbook, the complete Psionics handbook, the complete yeah. Thieves handbook. You're you're yeah. Marty you're Marty McFlying D and D. We're going back to the future <laughs> on it. We're going back to the future, Marty. <laughs> Uh, that was amazing. I'm looking forward to the backwards compatibility until they reach that sort of Microsoft point where they're like, yeah, you know, I know we promised you backwards compatibility, but it is now becoming too restrictive and expensive for us to do it. And then everybody's going to complain and then they'll find a way to do it. Uh, yeah. Like like a new Coke situation. Yeah. Or like uh, uh, Crystal Pepsi or whatever it was. <laughs> like. Yeah, I like think they'll, they'll be like, oh, we're going to get rid of backwards compatibility. Actually, we're just going to keep it. It's called a marketing ploy. <laughs> I'm just thinking of PlayStation where they're like, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 works with PlayStation 1, PlayStation 3, well, <laughs> PlayStation 4 doesn't work with anything. Get the hell out of here with your old PlayStation games. You want to play those still? Use the old systems. I think it's funny. They- I got a free PlayStation 4 from a friend of mine. And I hooked it up, and why does that look? What the hell? I was. I, <laughs> this is a this is a brief digression, Josh. This is the uh, Soviet arcade museum of this episode. But <laughs> I was I was at a brunch uh, a couple months ago, and uh, a guy I used to work with, a friend of mine, I hadn't seen him in a long time. He was there, and uh, when I got laid off from my from my newspaper job, I had sort of like for em- emotional, valid emotional and mental reasons, I cut off a lot of contact with those folks, and so Good. I was getting back into the fold essentially. And I hadn't seen these people for a while. And this guy, Carl, he was there and we were chatting Carl, and he had loaned his PS4 to the hosts of where we were having brunch at, at their house and they're getting ready to move. So she was giving it back to him and he's like, Hey Brandon, do you want this PS4? I was like, like for how long, when do you need it back? He's like, no, do you, do you just want it? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, my brother's bought me a PS5, so I don't need this one anymore. I was like, well, I can pay you for it. He's like, no, don't worry about it. I said, well, if you ever want it back, you know, just let me know. 
Uh, he's like, no, I won't. But, you know, it, uh, it's fine. And it sat in my car for like a week. And then one Sunday night, Jenna and I were talking and I said, oh, hey, you know what? I meant to tell you there's a PS4 that's just been sitting out in my car for a week. So I brought it in, plugged it up, spent all night downloading all the updates for it and everything. And like I, the thing that surprised me most, bringing this back to the backwards compatibility discussion nice. is I can I can actually download games for PS5 on it and it plays them like with certain limitations. It's because they couldn't roll out enough PS5s at the time. Oh, uh, okay. They still can't. They have a chip shortage, so they'll be able to do that for a little while. But, uh, unfortunately, you're going to have to move on to new content, new PlayStation eventually, such as the keys from the Golden Vault, uh-huh. which is coming out in winter of 2022. Noah's less than smooth uh, segue there is into the... Hey, listen, I write segues all the time. <laughs> is for the cool stuff that's coming out in 2023 from D&D, or as they call it in the press release, here are five exciting projects coming from D&D in 2023. Mm -hmm. And uh, winter 2023, as Noah said, keys from the Golden Vault, or as I am going to call it until the day I die, uh, the Ocean's Eleven book, because they lampshade it. Um, They say Ocean's Eleven meets D&D in this book of short adventures revolving around heists. I love this, but I've talked a lot. So before I go off on a rant about how much I love this idea, I'd like to let other people talk. Well, for starts, uh, you and I both know that I'm going to jump in on this because I, too, love playing rogues and I, too, love stealing things. Specifically, like, not from my party, but, like, the DM being like, I need you to go into this place and steal a thing. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Like, the whole thing right now where it's like, oh, quid pro roll. Uh, you guys are going to have to break into a mansion to steal this thing that's necessary. Uh, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't caught up to what we're currently yeah. doing. Noah's not the only one who gets to like chill his other actual play podcast. Uh, if you want <laughs> to, this, if you what, want to, what's this quid pro roll thing? I've never heard. Yeah, of if it. you want to listen to Josh steal things, uh, just search for quid pro roll in your podcatcher of choice. Uh, the, at the point that Alex was like, I want you guys to do a masquerade ball. I think we were all like, well, that, that could be entertaining. And she's like, that'll also be a heist. Everybody was like, let's do this. I know Brandon and I were like, basically like double high fives in the background, basically like, hell yeah, we get to do a heist. No spoilers, but my part of my plan for the heist involved a life-size rat costume. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to my homebrew campaign, uh, the one that I, I ran for like two, three years during COVID. Um, they we had a heist episode in there, and they got into like the secret back room where they were gonna get the thing, and um, and there was like a cocktail party going on for VIPs, and they just started throwing drinks back. But I had like a, a, like a drink generator, and I rolled like a sixty-seven, which said it was a you take a shot, everyone else is wasted. Um, and the, it just made the entire thing really easy because they just walked up and took it because <laughs> everyone was just blitzed. So. Uh, Josh, did I cut you off or anything, or do you still have more to gush about heists? Uh, no, I just generally am very, very excited about heists, and it sounds like this is going to be something made to make heists easier for everybody to access, not just those of us with the time and energy to craft a heist. Yeah. Go ahead, Noah. Do you think that it's going to... So, obviously, we know heists. Mm -hmm. We, you know, plan, break in, get the thing, get out. Obviously, that's a formula. I think that... I'm calling my shot now. I think that they're going to include a reverse heist, um, which is plan, go in, plant the thing, and get out. That kind of thing. Um, You know, like Lord of the Rings style. 
That would be really cool. Like basically an infiltration and an exfiltration. Just like yeah, just yeah. to generalize it. Um I I'm looking forward to this because I love it that it's coming out in sort of a short form, like one and done almost kind of thing, because not everybody has the time for dragon heist. Right. Um, That's one thing that Josh and I have really come to embrace over the last few years at just like the ability to do quick games and the not having to feel like you have to run an entire campaign for like 26 weeks or really more likely five weeks before it falls apart because of everybody's scheduling. So that's why something like this is really good. And I love it too, because I think it opens up the possibility for more sort of targeted specific kind of content. Like if the heist specific book sells, maybe we'll get some more specific one shot adventures. Like I know, I know like salt marsh was almost kind of approaching that it was still more of like a broad supplement for like yeah. sea combat and stuff like that. But maybe we get the pirate book, you know, after right. this. And that's, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for because I always like to talk about how like standard elves in the forest kind of uh, fantasy adventures have really like bored me over the years. So anything we can do to make the format more interesting and to twist it a little bit, I'm all about. So I'm, I, those are like that's the only other example I can think of right now, but I'm sure my, I'm just being betrayed by my lack of imagination. There's probably like a ton of other things you could do, like this hyper targeted style of, of adventure book. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like it, too, because, you know, it, it follows on the theme of like Candlekeep Mysteries and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where you have a bunch of smaller adventures and it really it opens up the the hobby to something that you know, is more accessible Mm -hmm. to people. As you were saying, you don't need to worry about like, Oh God, I just finished listening to the adventure zone and Oh my God, 60 episodes in balance. How am I ever going to do that? I might as well just not like it's, Oh, I have a Thursday free. Yeah. I'm going to play D and D with my friends. Yeah. Yeah. I think, what is it like the average, the average quote unquote campaign these days lasts about five or six weeks or, or five or six sessions before things start to fall apart. Dang. Yeah. So I forget where that's a a hilariously unsupported statistic. It is supported by my vague memory of an anecdote. So don't quote me on that. Uh, But this I hope that this is them like like with Candlekeep, like with Radiant Citadel. They're really starting to commit to serve like essentially meeting us where we are instead of where they'd like us to be, because not everybody has two years to drop on Strahd. Right. That's absolutely right. Well, and I think that's I think that's generally applicable. Like we all need shorter adventures for those shorter scenarios. I think we also all need things that we can wedge into the middle of those quiet spaces mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you know what? Like we've been running our campaign for the last six weeks and I was busy this weekend, so I didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to write anything Instead of saying, oh, we have to cancel, now you can say, let's do one of these heist adventures because it's a short one, and then I don't have to write anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I really like about short adventures is that they make the the like, the like giant adventures all the more sweet. And speaking of giant adventures, I was, I, I, I was like, how is he going <laughs> to connect this? How is he building this bridge? So, uh, yeah, Bigby presents Glory of the Giants, a companion to last year's Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons focused on giants. This, I gotta be real with you, hot take, I'm not excited for this. 
Um, you don't like giants? I mean, I was excited for fizz bands because it's Dungeons and Dragons. Are, are, you don't like giants? Are you telling me that when Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant at WrestleMania, you were you were the one person there just cheering for Hogan? Well, first of all, I wasn't there. <laughs> and six, I was like, what, two? Um, no, you probably and, weren't born. Oh, God. Yeah, I wasn't born. And then uh, second of all, I forgot where I was going. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I I have a couple of thoughts as far as a Giants book is concerned that I think possibly you have not considered yet, my good sir. There is yeah. a lot of talk in multiple books about like the Storm King's domain and things like that. We've right. had general like setting books that deal with giants and giant territory. This will be something a little more specific, but more specifically than that, it's going to be something that gives subclass features to player characters that will involve right. giants. I don't know if you saw the oh, UA that was in the with UA. all the giant yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot all about that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, and, and that is also in a previous episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. Download our entire speaking... library overnight. <laughs> It's really Speaking, good for our metrics, guys. Yeah. Uh, it's so good for our metrics. Also, that and five-star ratings. Just but no, like that's five-star ratings for sure. Josh is absolutely right. I wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah, there's it's it it's going to be a way to incorporate all kinds of cool giant stuff to your player characters. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, it's just like giants, though. Now, all right. Okay. In, fa in fairness, did you look? Oh, go ahead. Did Josh. you look at that UA? Because there's some yeah, really neat stuff in that UA. Yeah. All right. Totally. A follow-up question. Did you read Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons? I did. Okay. So, see, I really enjoyed the format of Fizzband's and how it brought... I loved it. It brought a lot more depth to just, like, her dragons, you know. I'm If this can do the same thing for giants that that did for me for dragons, then I'm more than willing to hear it out. Yeah, and that's a good point. Like, if if it can renew my love of you think all things giant, then I, I'm happy to take a look at it. I'll be frank with you. This is going to sound very strange. My reasoning for not being a fan of the Giants, there's multiple reasons. One, San Francisco, not my favorite city. Mm -hmm. uh, two, New York, not my favorite city. Um, so out, Giants are out there. But in in all seriousness, I'm six foot four. Mm -hmm. I'm usually the tallest guy in the room, mm -hmm. and I stand out like a sore thumb. Like people look at six foot four people, and for me, if you're much taller than six foot four, you're gonna stand out, and it's gonna kind of take away from your general setting on the campaign. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not saying you can't play a Goliath. I'm not saying you can't play a massive Dragonborn. I'm not saying you can't play whatever. But at the same time, giants are bigger than either of those two, and those are and dragonborns are one of the more common ones. But nobody plays goliaths because you have to factor it into every single thing you do, or, which could be fun for or role playing. Do you counterpoint? Centaurs can climb ladders. <laughs> what the fuck? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they can. Yeah, they're treat you treat if as a player character you treat them as a medium sized creature and they can climb ladders. Okay, so my favorite you don't part have to about factor all that in. <laughs> my favorite part about that is that a horse in the monster manual is a large sized creature, which means that centaurs centaur. are smaller than horses. They're pony centaurs. 
<laughs> the little Sebastian. <laughs> uh, bless but, them. Bless yeah. them all. I get yeah. I get your I get your point, but I think it's kind I think you should give the book a chance because you're coming at it from like a really sort of literal way of thinking about it. And yeah, yeah, I'm going to give it a chance. Yeah. For and sure. the game, the game may just be like, eh, hand wave it, which is my favorite rule. That's not written. Eh, just hand wave it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing is like, of it's my least, the one I'm least looking forward to of the five. I'm not saying it's going to like be awful. Yeah. Now I will if say they have a chapter about giant fruit. And it's roll doll and D and there's a, a giant peach in there. I'll be all about it. <laughs> Josh, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I, I declare that was worth it. No, that's fair. What I was going to say is it sounds like you're thinking of, oh, players as giants. I don't think it's going to be just like giants as a playable race. I think it's mostly going to be giant themed stuff you can do with player characters. I need to redact everything I've said about this book because I just realized that I can use this book most likely to run the campaign that I've always wanted to run, which is my Honey, I Shrunk the Kids campaign. There you go. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. I was thinking outside See? the box. Yes. And, okay. I'm back on board. Yeah. So, you know, you're and you loved that uh, that ant adventure that I wrote where the party got shrunk yeah, down. So, that was fantastic. Yeah. So just yeah. give, give me some credit on that when you run that. So okay, there's there's a lot of stuff in this book that you can be <laughs> excited about. I would say that there's many things in this book, which speaking Look of a book guy. of many things. Look at this guy over here. Summer 2023, a collection of creatures, locations and other goodies that are connected to the mysterious deck of many things. Oh, my God. My favorite thing to put in a campaign and then my favorite thing as a DM to be like, why the f- did I put this in a campaign? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thrilled about this, but I'm thrilled about it for a very practical reason that yeah. most people probably aren't because I have a deck of many things from second edition. It is Ooh. huge. And the box that it comes in is just another piece of cardstock paper that is folded together to attempt to contain everything in one space. It does. Oh, not wow. work. Many cards are lost. Many are in different boxes in different places. Josh, if we go to the G and G storage unit, I am sure if we spend enough time looking through there, we will find some of the deck of many things. I've found them I... under my bed. I've found them in the living room. <laughs> I've found them everywhere. Putting it in a book is the only reasonable way to do this. And this is somebody who this is coming from somebody who consistently rails against the loss of actual boxed box sets. Mm hmm. I'm going to say this right now, Brandon, I'm not fully convinced that your deck of many things is missing cards so much as perhaps it's creating other cards and scattering them about spaces you're in. It might, but one way or the other, it's now a deck of slightly fewer things. I, I just want to throw <laughs> this out there. Um, uh, so, guys, um, Josh, how many cards are you drawing? Oh, let's say three. Are you doing an automatic deck of many things? Yep. Josh, you have drawn. Jim, you gain 25 items of jewelry at 2,000 gold pieces or 50 gems at 1,000 gold pieces said, each immediately. I thought you said a gym. Like he was going to, he got the title, yeah. he got the deed to a gym and now he's going to get small. No, it's, it's this my buddy Jim. You get to hang out with him today. <laughs> um, but uh, then, then you got talons. Every magic item worn or carried you have disintegrates. Your artifacts vanish. And then finally... 
Skull. And as soon as you lost every magic item you had, an avatar of death appears and you must battle to the death. Hell yeah, let's go, death. Yeah, I know how uh, I know how this works. I'm gonna challenge death to a game of D D. Oh nice! You never <laughs> Oh, no, death won't be uh, able to make it after a few after a few times. <laughs> Guys, I'm a little and that's, I'm a little busy. At the um, point that death has to reschedule, that's when I'm off free. Brandon, what, what? How many cards? Do you I'll want do to three have? as well. Okay, okay. Uh, you get oh, nice, excellent. You start off with star. Increase one of your abilities by two that you can't exceed twenty four. Uh, then you get vizier. You get to meditate on a question and receive a truthful answer and knowledge on how to use it. And then you also get skull after you <laughs> meditate on things and gain abilities. An avatar of death appears and attacks you. You must battle to the death. Um, I'm gonna draw three as well. It's cool, death. You can you can let Brandon join our game. <laughs> oh God, this is awful. Um, I get gym, not like the gym, but like. A gym as well to gain 25 items of jewelry at 2,000 gold piece or 50 gems at uh, 1,000 gold. Then I get moon where I can catch the wish spell 1D three times. <laughs> That's way too powerful. That's yep. way too powerful. And, but then I got Uriel. I'm cursed and have a minus two to all saving throws. But I'm just going to take care of it and cast wish to get rid of the curse. <laughs> and then still have two extra wishes. Yeah. <laughs> See, and now we have a book full of that crap. That's that's so overpowered. Yeah, no, I'm definitely getting that. That's going to be fantastic because... I'm so excited. Uh, uh, putting it in, like, thank God they're putting it in a book. The only thing that could make it better is if they did it as Spiral Bound. <gasps> so oh, here's yeah. something. I don't know if y'all glossed over this or not, but in the Book of Many Things, one of the things it says will be contained is not just creatures and other goodies, but locations... Connected yes. to the deck of many things. I don't know what that means, but I'm very excited by the, the possibilities. In, the inside of a bag of holding. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's how you handle a deck of many things. You know that, right? Like, that's how you how you uh, avoid all the shit is you uh, you put a bag of holding inside a bag of holding and then take all the bad cards and put them, leave them inside the other bag of holding, take all the good cards and put them in the other one. That would be a long day of just sorting through all your cards. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like... You get wishes like forever. <laughs> um, all right, I don't have a solid transition for this, but let's. I was going to say though, one. you know, one of the, one of the locations in the Book of Many Things uh-huh. might be the Lost um, Mine of Fandelver. The Lost Mine of Fandelver. Uh-huh. This one's just weird. This one's just weird. I I am very curious because everybody knows, you know, Lost Mine of Fandelver. It's like the original intro adventure for 5e and now they're saying it's going to be a full campaign tinged with cosmic horror so it's going to be like the lost mine of cthulhu or nylarthotep i don't know how the elder gods got involved in this i'm very interested (laughs) yeah i i go ahead cosmic horror is such a specific thing to throw in there especially since like as what I recall of the Lost Mine of Fandelver does not involve cosmic horror at all. There's a little bit of cult action. There's some goblins. There's a nice little town with some nice little townspeople. Like, I don't yeah. recall anything to do with, like, space or eldritch beings at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in and around the town of Fandolin. Um, and basically, it starts off with uh, rescuing two people from a band of goblin kidnappers. And then it does have 
like criminal gangs. It does have a mysterious big bad evil guy, but it's the true level one to five um, beginners uh, module. And so adding a tinge of cosmic horror, like I'll be honest, I, I have no idea how they're going to do that. But at the same time, the Adventure Zone, yeah. as I've referenced now twice in this show. I was getting ready to say, yeah. Uh, started with Lost Mine of Fandelver, and then they took it off into a crazy place. So I, I think that, I don't know, I'm interested to see where they're going to go. I hope, Hopefully it doesn't put you on a track too much with that beginning story. Yeah. I, I, it's really, it's, I just, what it's really hard to put into words, like, how I feel about this. Because it's just kind of like, what? Like, that's my main yeah. reaction. For, for me, Lost Mine of Fandelver has always been that adventure where it's an in- incredible intro. It gives you a base town. You can learn how to play within a town, learn how to play outside of a town, learn how to do investigations, learn how to do your skills, leveling up, all that stuff. And then you take what you learn from Fandelver and you turn it into your homebrew campaign. You turn that into your long-form campaign. And so what I'm worried about is here, I'm excited for it. Do not get me wrong. But I love having more un like classic low-level campaigns because it gives you the building blocks to build your own campaigns now high-level campaigns can be incredibly fun but if you have a 1 to 20 fandelver campaign then i'm worried those are the tracks that it's always going to be on and we'll never be able to revisit <laughs> the lost mine you know what i mean yeah just the idea of a 1 to 20 fandelver campaign that reminds me of the guy who uh tried to his goal was to level himself up all the way in final fantasy oh, yeah. 7 in the first room and like the one guy did it for a while, then he gave up. So some other guy decided to finish the job out of spite for this guy. And it took like hundreds and hundreds of hours. Uh, it was a full time job. Yeah, basically. I mean, like he was he was streaming that whole thing, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, that was hilarious. But anyway, yeah, that's what I think of when I think of a whole Fandelver campaign that goes from level one to 20. Like you just <laughs> stay like- in the lost mine until you get leveled up. You stay on the original RuneScape Island forever. <laughs> the anti-dragon breath shield over and over and over again. <laughs> but it becomes like a radar detector detector at that point. You get the anti-dragon's breath shield, but then you get the anti-anti-anti-dragon's breath shield. <laughs> a radar detector detector detector. <laughs> I, hey Josh, how do you feel about Fandelver? I mean, I enjoy the setting quite a bit. I just I'm. I'm struggling to see where cosmic horror fits into that. I've been trying to figure it out this whole time. I don't, I'm just going to have to see what they come up with. And I'm going to, I think you're right though. If they're going to do it, I would really prefer that they do it as something like, okay, we had one to five before. Now we're going to do five to 10 for the expansion on that. So that if you want to have a little something more to work off of, you've got that option, but not like not all the way to 20, like give us, a little bit to work off of and then let us go off onto our own or pick up one of the many high level campaigns that already exist and get things mm-hmm. changed up a little bit. I do think yeah. if they're going to do cosmic horror, then they're probably going to have to take you outside of the material plane, uh, possibly through some sort of planescape. Hey, coming so fall 2023 before we come have to visit before we complete oh. that transition i just want to say my called shot for this is that the cosmic horror fandelver is going to be like the sleeper hit 
out of all of these. Like it's oh, gonna really? it's gonna be something that everybody's like, wow, I didn't know what to expect from that. And because I had no expectations, this is great. I think it's I think it's gonna take uh, a little bit of Spelljammer and just go real weird with it. Uh, because yeah. like Spelljammer, like them being confident enough to release Spelljammer now is them being yeah. like, you know what, we're just leaning in at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this is gonna be. Maybe maybe it like has a whole psionic element. Oh God, no, <laughs> no. Maybe, 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 no. maybe, maybe the cosmic horror is that you have to visit Sigil, the city of doors, mm-hmm. a hub space that connects the various worlds of Planescape together through a series of interconnected crossroads. Thank you. As we'll explore in Planescape <laughs> coming fall of 2023. <laughs> I was going to say thank you, en.wikipedia.com for that description. <laughs> Um, my friend Pat was such a huge Planescape fan back in really the, the game, the, the video game. No, the setting, the two E setting. Cause there is a video game based on, this I know too. I played it in college. Um, it was, wow. It was, that was 1999. It was actually, well, actually it was, I was, it was either eight or nine. Yeah. The game came out in 1999, but I didn't play it until like 2001 or 2002. Cause me and my friend Mike Andrick were at Walmart at one in the morning. And I said, oh man, I've wanted to play that for a while. And he's like, you should just buy it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I can do that because I have money now. And I did. And I played it for several days. And then I stopped playing it because I got really busy with school. Yeah. Yeah. So so for Planescape, this is the one I am absolutely the most hype about. Let me let me just clarify how hype Noah is about this. When earlier today, when we're like, what are we talking about? And then this list was there and I posted it. He's like, oh, my God, I'll tell you right now. Planescape is the thing I'm going to talk about. And then we got delayed for our recording start. And he's like, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about Planescape. <laughs> Josh, hurry up. Uh, Noah is very hyped about this. So I'm going to give him the floor. I love this is this is predating the whole Marvel like jumping the shark with the multiverse MCU thing. Um, that's a whole other podcast to talk about. But um, I love multiple plane multiplanar campaigns. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, hopefully nobody here is uh, reading too far into my personal campaign for Forgotten Paths. There's no elements of multiple planes there yet. Um, so don't read into that too much. But you can also go to uh, did you, did you just have like a button that says free plug for forgotten bats on here? Yes, that's that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, just go to linktree slash forgotten bats, uh, anyways. So, but Sigil and I, I put my notes the show in our show notes. Sigil, the city, the city of doors, as I was saying before, was introduced in um, uh, DD first edition and. It is a beautiful city where everything comes together. It is this is where you kind of get some of the original ideas of of the idea that dragons span multiple planes and like gods and deities span multiple planes and they have one consciousness with multiple um with multiple avatars and 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 effects so like if you have a dragon like you know ebor the red dragon in plane one and ebor the red dragon in plane two in this multiverse they have the same collective knowledge that kind of stuff and it leads to so many different threads that you can pull or tie together that it gives a dm such a sandbox and i'm so excited to be able to um check out the astral plane uh the prime material plane um the, the the actual city itself like who who works and lives in the city of sigil it's fascinating i'm so excited about this yeah and uh 
interesting footnote there. Uh, Josh might remember this, but Planescape actually created by uh, one of our favorite uh, OG designers, uh, Zeb Cook. Uh, oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, I forget the whole story. I've told it before on the podcast, but I can't remember it. But he was originally supposed to design something else and somebody else got the assignment for it or whatever. And they said, oh, here, why don't you just fool around with this? And he ended up using it as the kernel to create the Planescape setting. That's cool. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm like, I don't know if you can tell. I'm I'm really excited about this because like Sigil as a city has multiple factions um, and it, it has so many different interplays that you can have. We're going to get, I think with Planescape, we're going to get like subclasses. We're going to get new spells. We're going to get insane creatures. Modrons. 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 And um, I think that this will actually be how they bring back alignment into D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, because originally the the sigil had the outer planes, which were all like different aligned areas. So, you know, like in community, like this is the worst timeline yeah. um, kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they had those different planes where there was always like the worst timeline, the best timeline, except it was by alignment. So I think that they might use this to refresh the alignment chart, which is something they've gotten away from in recent years. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about that because I never like playing to the alignment chart. Um, I guess maybe because I'm not as like diligent of a, of a player character as perhaps <laughs> the rules would prefer that I were. Um, one of the things I'm excited for is they seem to be doing the prestige format essentially for this as well, like yeah. what they're doing with Spelljammer, which I have not yet picked up from Alpha Comics and Games, conveniently located in Richmond's Willow Lawn, uh, even though they set aside a copy for me and I, I need to go get Did it. Did they really? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Alex, whenever something comes out, Alex usually sends me a text and it's like, hey, do you want me to set one of these aside for you? And I say, yes. And then she says, do you want the regular or the variant cover? And I say the regular because I want it to match everything else on my bookshelf. Can you text Alex for me right now and get me a variant? Cover? Josh can probably yell down the hallway at Alex. <laughs> hey, Josh, can you yell? Can you yell at Alex real quick? Just... I, I, I'm not going to yell at Alex right now. First of all, she's not in the store, so that's that's a moot point. If you wanted to send an email to Alex at AlphaComicsGames.com, uh, oh. you could do that, and then she could set one aside for you, knowing full no, well that you ship? are local. They do. do, do they, ship? they do ship. Uh, although. You live in Richmond, so I feel I'm like... I'm asking for, for our friends ab- abroad. Oh, well, that's... Yeah, that's totally reasonable. I think the answer was, there is you... Is uh, they call Alpha Comics and Games, community located in Richmond's Willow Lawn, and ask them if they can ship it abroad, because we shouldn't be committing Alpha to uh, shipping to people all over the country and world. Yeah, I, I think that's a completely reasonable statement, Brandon, and I'm sure Alex appreciates it a great deal. But Alex is also going to relocate Alpha Comics and Games to the City of Sigils so that Alex can distribute (laughs) Planescape to the multiverse. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, like I was saying, uh, (laughs) I'm talking talking about Planescape again. So am I! The the three-book format released in the slipcase is – it's it's the new box set. And I – have no qualms with that. They're doing something special for these settings. That was my big issue with Curse of Strahd is when it came out is like nothing felt special about it. It didn't feel like a setting. It felt like it was just a book and Ravenloft needs to feel like a setting. We better get Mm -hmm. some kind of prestige domains of dread kind of thing that comes out in the next few years. And they've already kind of like 
spent a lot of their political capital on that setting with the Strahd book, the Strahd re-release, and then the um, Van yeah, the Van Richten's guide, because that was yeah. all that was all stuff that would have worked perfectly in a prestige format Ravenloft release. But there's still so much to mine there. There are all those other domains back from second edition Ravenloft, mm-hmm. uh, like. The I forget the name of it, but like the ancient Egyptian one, that was probably right. the next most popular one back in the day. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But they have to do that. Like they have to give us that. And it can be a nice red slip cover looking like the old the old second edition box set for it. It'll be great. That's fantastic. Yes. I'm, I'm so excited for this. Thing. Yeah, I think it's going to I think it's going to be one of those like truly special releases. Mm mm-hmm. um, and uh, and because it opens up so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the least of which is that it'll be a nice addition to my bookcase. Yet another three book slipcase. You can tell what nice. I'm really excited about. You know, do they? I wonder if. And this goes back to talking about D&D Beyond. Will we be able to get like super high res copies of the maps for the settings? Um because that's like that was always the the thing I hated most about box sets or any kind of format that you have to use to sell something retail is all the creases in the maps and everything. Right. Uh, so but if I can get a, an actual licensed, like real legitimate high resolution image of uh, of Faerun or something like that, that yeah. would be amazing. Or Sigil, the City of Doors. Yeah. Uh, or. uh any setting. I mean, it doesn't matter. I just Fandelver. Yeah. <laughs> Fandelver's cosmic horror. It's just going to have Cthulhu in the center and the like the 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 paths in the mine are slowly going to turn into the tentacles on his head. Oh, stop. That's actually a great idea because then you could just no like no, the the paths in the mine tunnels used to be where the the tentacles were. And so because like, the lost mine goes, is <laughs> actually deep in the city of Ryleth where Cthulhu sleeps and he's actually dreaming your adventure. <laughs> wait hold on what if that actually is what they did and we just called it copyright goblins and growlers 2022 darn tootin <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm a lawyer um <laughs> so yeah no i think i think one of the other things i'm really excited about with planescape is that it will allow us to bring it's going to be a nice junction for us to bring all of our various can't, it's going to take every single one of the preceding books and allow you to cross cross promote them. Mm-hmm. So like every single thing that you do, you're going to have a way to bring, you know, say you want to have uh, say you want to have um, uh, something from Eberron and toss it into Faerun. Well, go through Sigil mm-hmm. like your your party has a day in Sigil and they go over there. All of a sudden you have war forged in Faerun. And that's your explanation. Sigil exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm really You got a station that. for that magic train in Eberron. It just goes through a tunnel, ends up in Sigil, comes yep. comes out in the moon sea somewhere. Yeah, it's fantastic. Or you take, you know, you draw a card from the, the deck of many things and you're in Sigil and you can go wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Or the train hits a giant. Oh, yeah, yeah. the train hits a giant. Uh, and the train was actually part of the heist plan all along. Holy shit, that... How cool would it be to do a high, like a, a great train robbery on the Eberron train? I ran that campaign once. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll I answer the question then. How cool was it? 
it, it was pretty cool. Um, it, I I ran it at Magfest um, for some friends in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, we stayed up until like 3 a.m. with this random train adventure that I I had, and I had to like really mess with it because it took longer than I thought, as all good campaign or one shots do. Mm-hmm. Um, I introduced an element, and I can't remember where I saw this, but it's not my original idea. Uh, element of darts that you could throw. And like stuff would pop out of them, like instantly inflatable kind of things. So you were Hawkeye. And, yeah, yeah. Except like I'm not talking like 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 ropes or like uh, electricity. I'm talking about like an in. Mm. Like, that sounds more a, like you were the Green Arrow shooting a boxing glove at somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, but so I had to introduce that to kind of get to where we were going. But no, it was fun. It was a good. It was a, it was a mystery heist. So, ah. Have we inside of a giant? <laughs> have we exhausted uh, all our opinions on the items on this list? Uh, no. Okay, but keep going. Not they're not interesting okay. opinions. Uh, I'll also point out just for the sake of completion, uh, even though I don't care about it, they also list- listed a bunch of stuff about Magic the Gathering. Uh, like yeah, and like I, there's going to be yeah, a Mount yeah. Doom, uh, Lord of the Rings adventure. There's going to be a Doctor Who Magic the Gathering situation. Um, some other stuff. I tried to get into magic 20 years ago and it didn't work. So, well, I mean, they're going to, they're going to go revisit the brothers war and Dominaria, which is really fun. Phyrexia, uh, and the fight between new Phyrexia and Dominaria and, you know, the old Phyrexian villains and Yonmouth and all that stuff. Uh, Yonmouth, Yonmouth, I forgot. Um, but yeah, and I think that that's going to be fascinating. I'm just going to have our, lore behind magic. School. I'm just going to have our audio editor put Charlie Brown teacher noise all over everything you just said, because that's what it means to me. i like how i i buy all the dungeons and dragons book books now but my argument against playing magic is i don't want to have to keep paying for cards to play (laughs) that's why they have uh one D &D for you they they need one mtg now they do it's called mtg on (laughs) (laughs) it's literally already a thing (laughs) yeah I'm so ahead of the times. I've come all the way back around. <laughs> We've gone back to the future, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Noah, do you have any uh, remaining things to shill other than uh, Forgotten Paths? Oh, let me shill the hell out of some Forgotten Paths. <laughs> yeah, let me put the banner back up for those of you watching the video version of this. Yeah, yeah. So Forgotten Paths, as I mentioned before, is a actual play 5e, although we're getting rid of editions, an actual play uh, adventure starring Cat Scratch, Seam, and Edward Spence. Um, three amazing content creators uh, on Twitch, uh, you know, stars of stage and screen, and myself, uh, their lawyer and GM. And it's an amnesia campaign. So the characters all start with blank character sheets and have to figure out who the heck they are and why the heck they are imprisoned. Um, you can check it out. We have an entire season out, so you can binge the heck out of it, one-hour episodes. Um, and uh, and we just started season two. You can find it at linktree slash forgotten paths. That's link tr.ee slash forgotten paths or follow us on twitter at paths underscore forgotten or find us at anywhere you can find podcasts all right i'm gonna delete that banner now it'll never be seen again um (laughs) no (laughs) um so yeah everybody uh if you have thoughts about this list that came out and you want to share it with us you can find me and josh most of the time in the goblins and growlers discord bit.ly slash goblin discord a uh, bunch of channels on there, some for talking about uh, D&D and TTRPGs, some for talking about this podcast, some for talking about our sister podcast, Quid Pro Roll, a 5e 
perhaps soon no additions uh, actual play adventure wherein I play an over the hill professional wrestler and Josh is uh, some kind of thief. I'm really self-centered, so I don't know. <laughs> that was good. Solonar's an arcane trickster rogue, and it's very important to me. <laughs> if you don't find us in the Discord, you can catch us on Twitter. I'm at Way of Brandalore. Josh, where are you? I'm at Black Cloak DM. And while you're thinking about checking us out on Twitter, you should stop by wherever you've been listening to our delicious podcast and telephone, telegraph, tell a friend about the Goblins and Growlers podcast. Five star ratings are what we're really looking for. But if you've got something less than a five star rating, go ahead and uh, do, you've got those ats for tweeting us. Uh, you can reach us at Goblins Growlers. You can also send us emails, contact at goblinsandgrowlers.com. Yeah, let us like, address you know. your concerns and get those yeah. up to five-star reviews. Basically, guys, I, I think that what you're trying to say is that um, if we have uh, uh, we if we have entertained you today, if you enjoy this, please feel free to leave a five star review. If you think of this as anything less than a five star review, then we have been the Dungeon Cast or DM's Block or the Adventure <laughs> Zone. Um, and feel free to go and check us out and rate us there. <laughs> All right, everybody. Harsh. Uh, well, we will catch up to everybody in a couple weeks. Thank you, Noah, so much for being a guest. Of course, uh, I know you need to. Thanks for I know you know, need to go eat dinner because you were like ragging on us for not getting started until late. She's like, "I gotta eat dinner after this. Come on, man!" It got delivered while we were here. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything worked out then. What? A, what a yeah. mitzvah! It's fine. Yeah. All right, um, and uh, uh, we will catch everybody later. Bye, Bye y'all. Bye. Hey there, you great and gorgeous goblins. Welcome to the Goblins and Growlers podcast. If you like what you're hearing, uh, come check us out over at patreon.com slash goblinsgrowlers, where you can find all original adventures, monsters, items, and traps, plus bonus episodes for our actual play sister podcast, Quid Pro Roll, and so much more. Like Josh said, telephone, telegraph, tell a friend about the Goblins and Girls podcast, especially if you're listening on the Samsung podcast app, which is bizarrely popular for us right now. Um, call, uh, call, call Mr. Samsung, tell him to promote the hell out of that again so we can get another spike. And uh, uh, we will catch everybody later.